Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to the, today's episode of the Mastering Retention Podcast. So, Neil, I do believe that this is the first episode of our kind of new format. So, you know, we've heard some feedback um, over the last couple of years as we've been doing the Mastering Retention Podcast that, um, you know, it'd be great if there were more visuals. Like sometimes I hear really great things, but I would love to be able to actually like see the games that you're looking at and Absolutely. see the thing having to, you know, dive into it. Um, we've also heard, you know, you guys have great content, but it would be even better if like episodes were a little bit shorter uh, so I could consume those things better. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that we heard was, Tom, you're a great host, but I'd love to actually hear more of your thoughts and opinions. Um, and so we've decided to launch a new segment of the Master and Retention podcast. You know, I don't know if we actually have a name for it, um, but uh, we should probably introduce Neil Edwards is uh, our new official co-host uh, of the Mastering Retention podcast. So, Neil, um, do you want to share your background? Yeah. Brings you. Yeah. So, uh, historically, uh, a game designer, traditionally by training and trade, I, I spent uh, about half my career as a game designer in mobile free to play, um, and then about five or so years ago, transitioned from game design to UX. Still, kind of, you know, tying my skill set together and approaching UX very holistic holistically. Uh, more from a systems and feature and product lens than just a UI specific lens. Um, but that's when uh, I started UX is Fine um, with Jason Sklar and Dave Inscore um, and spent about, you know, the last five years um, building that up as a pretty premier uh, UX and UI design consulting services. So we worked with, you know, some of the biggest names um, in the business, basically helping make their games more engaging, compelling, effective, and, and bring beautifully uh, crafted UI blended with amazing UX to those things. Um, and actually really recently, um, moving on to my next adventure, um, talk about that more in the future, but a bunch of indie game dev, uh, stuff, uh, moving into that. And that's, uh, part of why I'm here is, uh, got some time freed up and, you know, and talking with Tom in the past and doing one mastering retention episode, um, we just love chatting about games, deep diving. And, and so when Tom talked to me about this new segment, um, about being able to just get in and pick apart and, and riff and really just talk shop and, and share some of that knowledge and insight with people. Um, I was super excited, um, uh, you know, to jump on board. So yeah, excited to get into it. Yeah, so we're excited today. So Neil, what games are we gonna be diving into today? Today, we are going to be diving into not only Honkai Star Rail, but Genshin Impact and really comparing some of the similarities, differences, uh, pros and cons of both, things that they, they share in common, things that they do well, things that one maybe excels more so in the other. And and really the thing that fascinates me is, is that, well, I was kind of keen to talk about this is, you know, from a 50,000 feet away view, you look at them in the app store and you think they're very similar, they look very similar. They're actually extremely different in a lot of ways. Um, and obviously, you know, Genshin having its kind of stratospheric level of success on uh, Honkai being very successful as well, but maybe not quite achieving that that same just insane level um, that, that that we saw Genshin do. Um, so yeah, that that's that's really kind of what drew me in, um, and I know you were super keen on it. So yeah, we're going to be looking at these two today um, and just diving in and kind of sharing some thoughts. So a little known fact: one of the first like actually I think it was my first like real deconstruction was of Genshin Impact. So somewhere out there in the stratosphere my name is attached with a, a few other folks on a Genshin I Impact. found it 
<laughs> I I didn't I didn't read it all the way through because I'm not gonna lie, it was hefty and it was beefy. I remember reading it, but when I was doing my research, I was like, oh, that's funny. I saw your name and uh, uh, Eva and a few other people. Yeah, it's uh, it was crazy. I would say the the biggest thing that I took away from it that I've seen a lot of like game studios not really realize and iterate over is that you know everyone kind of thinks that Genshin Impact is my Hoyo's like biggest game and it's like their first game and everything and in a sense it kind of is but if you look back at their historic history of like the games that they created like they were very iterative like each game that they made they like you could see that they built some tech they got some art experience they found some things that worked they found some things that didn't they'd take the things that worked and then brought them to the next game so like before Genshin Impact they had this uh Honkai it was Honkai third Hongpai, yeah. Hongkai third something or something yeah like I don't know how it actually translates but it, in Hongkai um there was a very interesting thing that we discovered in the deconstruction which was um it was about four months before like the Genshin pro project was funded with like 100 million and like was launched off but they actually made this open world component to Hongkai third where you could kind of go around and like if you play it and you see it like it it's a very janky version of like what Genshin would end up being but if you looked at their revenue from like when they launched that it was like the biggest revenue spike they'd had in like years and so we believe never confirmed this but we believe that that was the validation for like investing such a large amount of money into Genshin and then they worked on that for like three or four years before it launched um but it's crazy anyways I digress because I've been playing some Baldur's Gate 3 um wow. and uh you know if you look back at that kind of iterative approach of the things that they created in divinity one and divinity two original sin and how it was like this stepwise approach to getting into like Baldur's gate three like i played divinity two and i loved it um but you can see a lot of their controls and their understanding and all those things like translated in um so one of the things that i you know found in doing my hoyo studies and stuff is basically of like you know building games and getting to that world-renowned impact like starts from day one and it's kind of this like iterative approach are you building up the right tech and expertise and stuff to get there and I, and i think that's just a you know not to dive too deep on it but i do think that is really special i think a lot of studios um because that takes so much it takes such a strong through line of leadership and values and consistency and having either a consistent consistent set of people at the top, which can be hard to maintain across, you know, 10, 15, 20 years in the game industry, but also a consistent set of kind of more like, not even values, but like methodologies, the way you fundamentally philosophically think about making games. Um, and I remember getting that a bit of your report and some other research of, you know, you can see where they find a lot of success with you know totally different elements in these focus of story and characters and and, and the sort of genre and the, the way they they evolve them and the quality and they invest in them and i think a lot of people would look at because if you go way back to their early games a lot of people would think of them as like totally different game different genre different platform start over there's there's nothing but they're taking learnings from what seemed like wildly different games and building on them and i do think that's a key part of reaching that level of, of just nuts success that they had with Genshin and, and continue to have. So Neil, here's a question. What have you seen? This feels like a quiz and I don't know if I have the answer. I know it's real time. I love it. And you can ask me questions too, of course. But you know, 
what do you think they took from Genshin into Honkai Railstar now? Like, what do you think was done well in Genshin that they like took over? And what are some of those things that you think they realized that, hey, this isn't ideal for what we wanted to do, and these are how we kind of tried to replace them or improve them or fix them in uh, Railstar? So they definitely, I mean, not to spend too much time on it because it's the obvious one, but the thing that's really impressive is the level of investment in the characters. And that's part of what sets Genshin apart. And it's also what, what sets Honkai apart is you are almost not going to find, I mean, I dare say, uh, not to speak too much in hyperbole, but you're going to be hard pressed to find a mobile game that has this fully realized, fully voiced, crazy detailed like personality well thought out well constructed robust characters with their own stories and their personalities and things like that and so that's a big part of why i think genshin was so successful is if you look back even when it came out and even surprisingly enough today i would argue there's almost no game that's even really that close to genshin and in, in even similar like you see a lot of character collector games, right? And, and we see a lot of that stuff. Um, but obviously the the open world aspects that they brought um, and things like that are, it's like a console game on mobile is like the best way to think about it. It's, it's unparalleled. And I think that's a big part of what its stratospheric success was because I believe they vetted that stuff early, took a calculated risk that most people weren't able or weren't willing to take and basically put a game uh, that indexed crazy high on exploration, crazy high, on, you know, much higher on role play than anything else in the mobile market, uh, much higher than story uh, for anything else in the mobile market, certainly mobile free to play, um, and really set itself apart. So, and, and you see that uh, continue in Honkai. Um, and I know that Honkai has a decent amount. I'm not as deep as, as much of the community in it, but I know that Honkai has a decent amount of like quality of life improvements that a lot of people <laughs> rage about that are still aren't in Genshin. Um, so they definitely took some of those, those kind of more UI, UXE kind of things. Um, I know a lot of people feel that the, the monetization is a little bit more user-friendly. Uh, the Gosha is a little bit more user-friendly in Honkai. Um, but the things I'm also kind of interested in, I want to toss it to you here, Tom, the things I'm really interested in is you know, obviously, you know, you've got Genshin, you've got the open world version, so it, it doesn't necessarily make sense to, um, you know, make another big open world action RPG kind of kind of style game. You've already got one. But what I'm really interested in is the theory crafting around some of the conscious divergences of the gameplay, right? Because the gameplay uh, is totally different. Uh, the structure of the game um, the structure of the content, uh, I would argue, is also largely different. Uh, the pacing of the games is extremely different. The onboarding, I think, is extremely different. Uh, not just one's open world, one's not, but when they open up to other features to you, how they open up. Um, I think Genshin does some world-class goal-setting stuff about how they just drip goals kind of in your visage around that kind of pull, keep pulling you. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to kind of get some of your thoughts on the topic, you know, as, as as well as some of that, what seemed like purposeful divergences and, you know, where we think those have 
succeeded and maybe where they've they've come up short so the biggest thing that i think i've seen in character collection games like even top ones like if we're looking at like raid or marvel or star wars conscious you know um i don't feel like i have connections to those champions or heroes maybe you have a little bit of it with the ip because like you've seen a movie or something like that but um my holio seems to do a good job of or actually probably the best job i've ever seen of letting you connect with the characters on a deeper level like both genshin and then they've now replicated that in hunkai um they let you they bring in those five star awesome characters into your party early on you become a part of their story you become a part of their lives you become like engrossed in everything of who they are and then they're kind of like ripped away from you and not only are they brought in but you also get to use them in battles and you're like holy crap like okay this guy does like 200 and like my guy's got this little bat that does like 12 and it's like wow okay the difference between my guy and this like five star character is massive so like i think all of that is like drawn around this idea of gotcha like in these traditional hero collection games you don't really have that connection with the character so the only draw for you to like want to roll them is to have the five star character so you're more powerful which it's I all think, power. Yeah, yeah which draw a certain you know type of player or whatnot but i think genshin goes deeper and like i want to have this character for you know who that person is their story i want them to be intertwined with me a core part of my team and my party etc um and then here's an interesting little thing i'm going to switch to my computer here um we've got yeah. got all the the things that are up um but in both genshin and you just saw hunkai they have live ops events that are related around being able to try different champions um yep. and you know they generally pick like the four and five star champions because they want you to experience those and what's interesting is like you try them you just go through and you like do a battle with them and you get rewarded for doing that um so like why wouldn't you play as a champion to see what it's like and to get like free rewards it's just like you know free stuff coming to you but you know you also get a chance to connect with that hero see how awesome they are and make you want to again go back to the gotcha so i think what they've done is they've oriented this whole universe around the gotcha um and most games don't do anywhere near that big of swath of stuff around the gotcha so it's uh you know less of a desired act to pull it I think that's a big part of it. I also think the core gameplay and and kind of this, the, the things that maybe are just so core to the game, they almost go without noticing about what separates it. In a lot of these, at least the ones I've seen and played, in a lot of these other character collector games, um, you you don't really, especially Genshin, right? In a lot of these other games, they're, they're all kind of the squad-based RPG games, match three, simplified kind of things. A lot of times you don't actually get to play as these characters right you kind of do but it's kind of like they're just in a party and they're doing a thing and it's probably an auto battle and so yeah. especially with genshin there's this huge uh increase in the level of like role play experience that's possible i actually get to run around the world and not only 
you know, that, that high, you know, satisfaction of story, you know, you're mentioning all these other games really index on power, right? The power motivation. Genshin really doubles down on story motivation, but it also really doubles down on the role play motivation and getting to feel like you're that character. And, and there's something to be said about real-time combat, mashing that button, seeing that cool attack and, 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 and kind of the open-ended combat that it has that really allows, and I, I would argue more so than Honkai, allows the characters to feel much more unique and feel much more different. Um, because ultimately you're not pressing a button to do, I mean, you are pressing a button to do attack an attack, but everyone kind of gets their turn in Honkai and, you know, their animations are different and, you know, they have different elemental you know, differences mm -hmm. and things like that. But when you're actually controlling them and when to trigger their abilities and all this stuff in this kind of environment, swapping in and out, that sense of team and that sense of my kind of well-crafted band of, you know, perfectly chosen, you know, heroes, uh, is just really strong. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that Genshin does uh, better than any game out there, in including uh, its successor. Yeah. So the one thing that I think is uh, interesting with Genshin is that, you know, it was great playing it on mobile, but once I started playing it on like PC or console or whatnot, uh, it just, uh, it was very difficult to, uh, I had a vision coming here, um, probably dropping off mail or something. Um, anyways, um, I found that it was hard for me to go back to mobile because the battles were kind of difficult or became more difficult as you're getting up higher level and it's like more challenging and like hitting those small little buttons on mobile. Um, and I found that it was a lot easier for me to play on PC and then it was hard for me to go back to mobile after that. Um, I think more than anything for me, that was maybe the reason why they did this Honkai Railstar is that there's this desire for people that maybe it was too stressful, especially for like mobile phone users and, yep. you know, trying to do these big battles and dodging around and doing stuff um, and you die because you lack controls or whatnot. Um, and I think that's the, you know, the big difference between um, Genshin and Honkai for me. Um, so like if I go back to Hunkai yeah, Rail Hunkai feels more like a mobile game. It's a turn-based game. You're not going to lose, you know, you're not stressed. You're not going to lose because like you said, you're, you're dealing with controls. Uh, it, it fits a lot more with the common mold of what people expect. Uh, and for good reason, you know, on a mobile game. Yeah. And, you know, you still have some aspects of like going around and controlling stuff, but yeah, it's just like when you get into the battle, it feels a little less stressful for me. The only thing that like is different psychologically is on Genshin, I can actually do skill-based stuff. Like I'm doing this big battle and I can kind of dodge around and get out of the way. And so like, I feel like I have more skill, whereas like Honkai Railstar, it feels like it's more of the traditional power-based type game of like, you know, whoever has the most power is probably going to end up winning or, or losing or whatnot. Um, I feel like it's less skill. Yeah, there's definitely more room for skill expression in Genshin. It's funny, I was playing both today and, and kind of thought that same thing of like, oh, I can I can dodge this. I can really I can really flex my power and change and kind of win because I'm playing better. Whereas in Honkai, it, you know, and it's not that it's a lesser game. It's just a very different game there's generally tends to be a fairly clear right decision to make with your character, who to attack, what ability to use. Like generally 
it's fairly easy to discern the right thing to do. The combat's a lot simpler. Uh, it's a lot lower impact in that way, right? So that can affect kind of the ease of, of the onboarding. Um, and, and one of the things that people really kind of were shocked by with Genshin was that like it was real-time combat and there was no auto feature because most of these character collecting Gasha Battler games have an auto feature, right? And then you do see that appear in Honkai. Um, and I thought that was an, an, an interesting choice as well because um, the battles can definitely get pretty lengthy. That's that's one of the things that I definitely noticed in, in Honkai is the battles, even when you auto fast forward, um, they can be pretty lengthy uh, for a mobile session. Yeah, I was I was kind of astonished. I was playing one while my wife was watching and it was like a three or four part battle. And by the time it got to like the fourth part, I was like, why hasn't this guy died yet? She's like, you're still fighting this thing. It's like, yeah. No, absolutely. And I think it's, I think that's like one kind of interesting UXy thing, because I've had this, I've had this kind of debate uh, on many games in, in many studios. And it's always like the awesome, we made an awesome animation and we want people to see it kind of thing. Because I'm, I'm interested by the choices and some of the pacing around, like, even when you auto fast forward a battle, sometimes that, that in and of itself is like upwards of 30 seconds. Um, and I think that can, can definitely strain on, on, on people. Um, but it's interesting. Um, but I definitely think it falls in the bucket of like awesome character animations like that are really cool, but it starts to become a different experience when it's something that you see over and over and over again. Um, yeah. and so that, that, that's kind of interesting, but it goes along the lines with, uh, the pacing of the games is also very different in terms of honkai at least early on seems to index a lot more on story uh and more story to like like the story to gameplay ratio on honkai is notably higher um mm -hmm. uh, and the story also is kind of notably more conceptual and a little more abstract and a little more complex and like interesting um Whereas I think the story in Genshin's a little bit more kind of straightforward, easy to follow for kind of, you know, you're just run of the mill casual player. Um, yeah. And I think that definitely came from feedback. You know, that's one of the things that the Mihoyo does really well is they gather a lot of feedback in game from their players. Um, and I think that's, you know, some, some really vocal part of the community wanted to see that. And I think that's one of the things you see play out in Honkai. Yeah. So here's an interesting thing that I came across as we were getting ready for this that wasn't there when I was previously playing. Um, both Honkai and Genshin have um, started doing these web-based events. Let me kill this. So, you know, in here, they've got these like events that are basically outside of the game. Um, you know, in some sense, they have like a daily reward system where you can come in and collect stuff, but you're, you're doing stuff outside of the game. Oh, I guess I'm not sharing the right thing. Let me share this again. So yeah, you know, on the launcher here, they have, um, these like events that are running outside of the game. Um, what, what's and, the thing you do here? in terms of like what's the activity you're doing with these out with these meta with these meta events 
you know, I haven't quite figured out all that they're doing with them yet. Um, one looks like a daily login thing. The other one almost looked like, was yeah, that it's fan like art? Art submission. Um, looks like the, there was a few that were running in Genshin. It looked like they took like that directly over. Um, Yeah, I think the level the level of community engagement, and obviously a bit of that's chicken and egg, you know, is is the game super successful because of the community engagement, or can they afford to do the community engagement because the game's super successful? It's, you know, a little bit of A, a little bit of B. But the level of community engagement uh, on both of these games, um, especially Genshin, uh, is something that I think is like pretty best in class. Like I'm I'm just not used to seeing quite the level of like like you're saying you know these kind of art submission events you know all the content they release outside all the ways they're gathering feedback and and kind of actively engaging with their community and keeping this game in people's kind of just mental stratosphere of awareness um multiple years later i think is is pretty pretty awesome yeah for sure um okay well looking at their let's jump back to looking at their kind of ui ux and stuff is there anything notable that you know really stuck out to you as hey this is really poorly done or this was really expertly done something that you know folks that are listening and watching can kind of take away and apply it to their own games so a few things stood out to me let me flip this open because it's going to jog my memory one of the things that I was really impressed by, and I think they both do it, I just think Genshin does it a little bit earlier, a little bit more on the critical path, a little more effectively. Um, they do a really good, and some of this is content design, but some of it's you know represented in UI. They do a really good job, like if you go into the quests and things like that, having quests active early in the game that show you oh you need to be adventure you need to be level this you need to be level that right that's not necessarily an unbelievably novel concept but not a lot of games do it a lot of games feature dump you at the beginning um or you know you have to tap into this dead feature area to like oh see off the beaten path that, that it'll be unlocked eventually but what i think both of these games especially genshin do really well is in various menus, uh, the Ascension, I think, is another great example. You, you're playing yeah. for a couple hours, you pin your characters, and then you go to do the Ascension, you're like, oh, I got to reach 15. So there's there's a lot of on the critical path, on the secondary path, like primary important things you're going to run into that say, hey, you got to be here to do this, right? Um, in the achievements and the other goal systems. Um, so keeping that primary in the UI, I think is really valuable to keep players engaged and give them those more mid and long-term goals of there's more to see here. There's more exciting things to do. Um, I also think that, you know, again, it's not, it's not mind bending, but, uh, it is really important. The, um, all the like auto add features and things like that, that let you stack in materials, um you know to to upgrade your weapons and characters like that i think people think of that as oh it's a quality of life uh feature it's more than that that's an early early user feature because i don't mm -hmm. have to understand the system i think these games both are insanely complex 
but they do a pretty good job of letting me play the game engage in a simplified way with a system and then be more intentional with it but they don't block me with a knowledge gate of if you don't understand the system and how to make good choices in it you're gonna like not progress or have a bad time or make a mistake so they give yeah. you all the stuff and they let you use it and you may be using it in an inefficient way but the game never penalizes you or slows down for that and so i think having those things both in content design uh, and in some of your UI UX really helps smooth out the, the onboard for what is a pretty insanely complex game. Yeah. No, that's great. I also got they the, also, uh, oh, go, go, go. Oh yeah. You're, you're good to continue. I got the web event to, to work. If you want to look at that too. Oh yeah. yeah go for it. I was just gonna, I was, yeah. I mean, pop that up. They, they also do, you know, their UI is really clean, but you have a lot of stuff you need to access right there. And, you know, the way they do just like tapping the text of your active quest to highlight things or jump into the map, just like little speed speed ups there are also, again, not just quality of life. They help new users kind of get, you know, unstuck and keep their momentum going. Um, and I think all those things add up to, to a pretty big impact. Yeah. No, it looks like they don't do the whole voiceover and stuff for these mini, you know, events, but like they're pretty in depth. Like they've got animations and stuff, like all web based in here. Um, you can kind of skip through these a little bit, but like it's even connecting deeper into the story here. And it's got this like Yeah, like they probably could throw this into the game if they wanted to, but it seems like this is just a lot easier to create a small little web type game that allows you to connect into the story. I'm curious what kind of rewards you actually get from doing something like this though. I also think another thing they do really well is their archive of tutorials. Um, is really helpful but it also helps players set goals when you kind of see stuff in there that maybe you haven't encountered or you go remember a thing or it's a thing you encountered but you haven't actually engaged with um, but they also do that ui in a really digestible way like it's got a giant image it has you know usually like three lines of text they really space it out into chunks that you can kind of click through if there's a more complex concept they don't just like hit you in the face with a whole paragraph. The imagery is very indicative and, and intuitive and well-chosen. Um, so that's another area of the game that I think in most games, you're like, oh God, I, I'm, I'm not gonna go in here because it's just like mad overwhelming. Um, and it's great to have all this content, um, but it's just too much. And I think that they do this, you know, area of the game really well. Um, I think one of the challenges of when you have a game like this, um and i don't have a good solution <laughs> to this is connecting some of the other systems so like the pretty core systems like the quests the inventory leveling up characters leveling up weapons all that like it's a pretty robust set of systems but all that kind of core path stuff i think is pretty excellently done when you get outside of it um to 
all the stuff like in Genshin, the Paimon menu, like having a mental map of like, oh, achievements are a thing. There's this archive, there's this character stuff. Um, and also you duplicate a bunch of those interactions. So it actually makes the screen look a lot more overwhelming. Like there's a characters button, an inventory quest map. So like all those things are duped, um, which actually kind of as a user makes you think that there's, you know, like eight more new features in there than there actually is because half of them are on your HUD. Um, so that's the thing that definitely gets a little bit overwhelming. Um, one of the things that I think is really interesting about these games is their gacha games where, in my opinion, the gacha is not in your face or even on the critical path at all. Um, yeah, you barely encounter it. Um, I mean, they, they definitely take you through it like as part of the tutorial. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not really that evident. It doesn't seem like it's in that your face that often or like being forced upon you like it is in so many other games. Yeah, I feel like in most other games, it's like part of the core UI and you're constantly navigating in and around it, um, you know, or it's constantly a tab and, and they're constantly calling attention to it. And so I think it's interesting that like, you can play this game and forget that it's a gotcha game, I feel like, uh, but it's still been not successful. Uh, and I think that's really interesting. Yeah. The other interesting thing is like, I feel like these games don't really have special offers. They're, like they're all around the gotcha. Like, you don't really see, you know, like you go into Raid Shadow Legends and you play for five minutes and you've probably been hit with like 20 different special, you know, time limited offers for whatever. Um, and I just don't get that in these games at all. Yeah, they definitely don't seem to have, they definitely don't hit you in the face with them. Um, but like you said, they don't seem to have uh, a ton. Like you said, the they're, they're kind of specialty seeming purchases always seem to be more centered around like events right it's kind of like a more special event than it is um you know where they have these kind of sales um but it's not you know fire 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 sale everything must go yeah i will say when they do the gotcha it's so not in my face i don't even remember how to do it um let me see if i can figure it out i know sometimes uh, i forget how to get there it's like uh, it's got to be somewhere on here the pressure work but it is such a great experience for gotcha like the emotional sensation of the train arriving and everything like it is really psychological driven and like a lot of like loot boxes and stuff they just like open and they give you some stuff but it's not nearly as rewarding to like go through like you don't want to open more things but when you do it in here you definitely yeah yeah there's this huge build up to it it's really polished it's fun it's in, it's anticipation building it's exciting uh and especially like in genshin i mean in both of them but like when you get a character it's like it's pretty fucking cool uh, it's feel it's it it feels like kind of this one-off cinematic kind of moment, um, and they really make it feel good. I also I'm I'm not as I'm not admittedly as up on the up of like the the best practices that people are using these days when it comes to messaging around this stuff. Um, but I thought that they that both of these games do a really good job in their gacha 
showing you the benefits like hey every 10 every 10 pulls you're going to get a guaranteed four star character or within 50 pulls you're going to get a guaranteed five star character um mm -hmm. yeah. you could argue that that's like you know the most highlighted thing on here um and so they have that that kind of sense um and also to some degree i believe both of them don't they so like when they release new characters like the banner characters have increased odds and things like that so they they do certain stuff that is like semi-targeted gotcha right where you have increased chances um of getting a certain character or things like that and i think those are the kinds of things um that you know create a ton of engagement yeah yeah i guess there's a bit more of these kind of gotcha offers for genshin in here i don't have any wishes left but um So what's interesting in Genshin, and I assume this will translate over to Honkai Rail at some point, um, they have these five-star event exclusive characters, which can only be obtained from these specific wishes during this specific time period. So it's like, okay, if you connected with this character in this event and you really want to get them, like this is the only way and the only time frame that you can actually come in and get them. Um, yep. And I think that's what drives the sustained revenue and why their live ops events are so successful. Yeah, that makes sense. And like you said, I, I think, you know, it, it can't be underscored enough, right? I think a lot of people introduce new characters, but how much, how many hooks do they put into people, right? Do you get to try it? Is there a storyline? Um, do you get to see all their power, their story, put them in your team or have this unique one-off event experience or a lot of games not 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 begrudging them because this content's very expensive but i think we see it pay off in games like this a lot of games just introduce new heroes maybe there's like some promo art you know maybe some key art behind it and maybe there's like a little storyline that's like te primarily textual or like a little video or something like that um but the amount of a company like you're saying content there's an entire event built around this person and, and being able to use them and experience this mini storyline um like you said at the very beginning, Tom, it creates this emotional engagement. It creates like I think about it as like number of hooks, you know, not to be gross, but it's like how many, how many, how many points of relation are you giving people to to this character personally versus just like oh, it's a new thing. Yeah, I think so. I know we're kind of out of time here, but I'll leave with like one additional thought. It's like I feel like there is opportunity for Genshin and then also Hungpai probably um, when they do these types of events. It seems like they're still completely focused on the gotcha, which is potentially fine it seems like it's working for them but i'm a big fan of having like event challenges sometimes where i have to go through all this stuff and i can unlock this hero you know a way for your non-spenders to be able to you know unlock some of these event specific characters because they grinded a lot or yeah. you know they invested or whatever i also think that there is a case for special offers not just gotcha because sometimes I don't want to pull the gotcha a hundred times or 50 times to try to get this event specific hero. I just want to outright buy them. Um, and, you know, at least as an AB test or an experiment, I would be curious how many of your players would be willing to outrightly buy them versus paying the gotcha. And it's possible 
you'd unlock a lot of revenue from people that aren't really paying on gotcha right now um so no absolutely i think i think the balance there right is always uh giving traditional non-payers or low payers a, an angle in that doesn't erode your your high payers right and just consume that and kind of give them you know or, or finding a way that that it does but it balances out right the quantity you know uh the breadth balances out the the change in depth there of spend um but absolutely right because then you're just looking to more universally engage your audience in these things versus oh yep another thing that i'm gonna have to pull 100 times i'm not that kind of player so boom don't care right how, how can you get more uh potential in spend but also just engagement from people how do you get more engagement from your low to non-spenders out of these things versus they just block them off in their mind is that's not a part of genshin for me yeah for sure well cool uh any other thoughts on genshin or hunkai railstar before we wrap this one up uh i don't think so Inc both incredibly great games super high performers uh unbelievably different uh than they look on the surface and that was probably what uh surprised me the most um uh, but i've enjoyed playing them both a bunch awesome well cool guys um that's it for this first episode if you guys have any feedback or things you'd like to see more of, like definitely reach us reach out to us and we'll love to incorporate that stuff in thanks y'all